All right, well, if you have your Bible, you can turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9, John 3, I'm sorry, John 13 and verse 12. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 and John 13, 12. Today we're continuing our series titled All In. I started last week, and this was the foundation of the scripture that I started with. It's a series about uh, about connecting, having core connections and relationships with people, specifically through life groups. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 and 12 says this, two people are better than one because together they have a good return for their hard work. If one falls, the other can help his friend get up. Watch this. But how tragic it is for the one who is all alone when he falls. The Bible doesn't say that it's bad. The Bible doesn't say it's unwise. The Bible says it's tragic if you fall and you're all alone. There is no one to help you get up. Again, if two people lie down together, they can keep warm. But how can one person keep warm? Though one person may be overpowered by another, two people can resist one opponent. A triple braided cord is not easily broken. Again, we titled this series All In. I love this version of this uh, scripture in Ecclesiastes because I'm, as I read that, I thought, instead of doing life all alone, why not be all in? Why not be all in in your relationships with other born-again believers. Last week, I talked about being connected to a Christ-centered community. And again, yes, coming to church, attending church is great, but there's something about when you have a smaller community of people, uh, like a life group, or you have people's core people, like I have three men in my life. Obviously, my wife is my best friend and the closest person to me, but I have three men, Pastor Todd being one of them. I've told you all this before, and two other men about my age who are in ministry. That's, that's my group. That's my, my, my group of my core community guys that, that, that I'm all in with. And I started this series by telling a story, and I'm just going to abbreviate it. If you wasn't here last week, I encourage you, go to our, our website, the app, podcast, and listen to it, but about uh, a story where, uh, I, uh, the, the story about me connecting with two sisters. If you know me, but know me for any amount of time, you may have met my br- mom and my brother before they went to be with the Lord, but you may not know that I had two, si- I have two sisters. We grew up in this city, uh, uh, but, but my, we were separate, two different families, because my dad was married to their mom before they my, my mom lived in, in Lafayette. They were both in their forties. I'm in late forties. I'm in my early forties. Uh, late 30s, and we didn't even have each other's phone number. But through a supernatural event, through God stirring us and supernaturally, again, I don't have time to share it, God connected us, and we sat down, we agreed. Again, we had to message each other on Facebook because we didn't even have our phone numbers. These are my sisters, my my half-sisters, but still blood sisters, same dad. We sat down and had lunch, and we met for about two and a half hours, and after we talked about the past and what they thought about my dad and them and I felt bad for them and all this kind of stuff, misconceptions we had about each other, one of my sisters looked across the table and said, where do you want to go from here? And my response, what I've been thinking about, it, I said, I'm all in. I'm all in. And she said, what do you mean by that? I said, I'm all in to have a relationship with y'all. Y'all are my sisters. I love y'all. I never got to know y'all. One of my sisters made the good point. She said, the way I see it, we never had a relationship because of our parents. But now we're adults, and we can make our own decision if we're going to be in a relationship. And of course, and, and we all agreed, you know, one of them's married with, a, with an adult son. The other one's divorced with an adult son. But I mean, of course, I wanted my wife. My wife was, right when I told her, she started crying. <laughs> she was like, absolutely. And so now... We have been. We've been in a relationship for over four years now. So check out how awesome God is. Talk about miracles. And I was hoping and praying when I would share that story. Again, there's a really awesome, detailed story. I encourage you to go listen to it because it's very powerful how it came about. It was only God. 
But I shared that story last week. Then I got a phone call from a brother this week in church. He said, Brandon, I got a similar story than you. I, too, have two siblings because my dad was married before him when his wife died. He married my mom quickly thereafter, and they had me. So he said, I have two siblings that I haven't talked to in over 30 years. He said, and after hearing your story, he said, I called my sister, and she said, I've been thinking about you as well. And they set up, and they're going to visit this week. How awesome is that? Amen? He said, man, it just stirred me up. He said, I know as a believer, he was at the first service. He said, I know I, I should have called and all that. But I said, hey, man, you know, again, it's God's time. And so just use that. That Listen, as, as I say that, I understand and I'm not encouraging. Not everybody's going to be in a deep personal relationship with everybody. That's why a life group is a small group of people doing life together, right? You're, there's some people, you're gonna, you're gonna, they're your brothers, your sisters, you love them, you come to church with them, you may, you know, eat some food with them at Wild Game Cookout, you may go to, you know, retreat. Hey, like the, the mission trip, by the way, I bet you all these people have a way closer relationship than they ever had before. Missions will do that as well. When you spend a week on foreign soil with other people, it grows very close relationships. So again, I encourage you last week to get connected in a Christ centered community, specifically in a life group if you don't have that already. And I gave you four ways that it's powerful to be connected to a Christ-centered community. One, we all work better together. Then two, we all work, walk more securely together. Three, we help comfort each other. And four, we all need someone that has our back. How many of you are thankful you have at least one person in life that has your back? And I share with you, you know what? More importantly, the Lord has your back. Multiple times in the Bible it says that the Lord is your defender. I also told another story about someone that left this church and set out to slander me and Pastor Todd. And it took over six years that one of the persons that bought the lies, hook, line, and sinker, called me back and said, hey, I just want to apologize to you. All those things that he said we realized uh, were a lie, were deception, because now we've been deceived and all this stuff. And it just, when I hung up the phone, we were actually on vacation. I talked to my wife. The first thing I thought was, the Lord is my defender. It may take years, but I didn't have to run around town trying to defend myself, trying to clear my name, this kind of stuff. You know what? We just kept living our life, doing what the Lord called us to do. And you know what? As I found in Pastor Brother Francis said, give people enough time and they will manifest themselves. Amen? So the Lord will defend you and have you back, but you need people to have you back as well. So this morning we're going to be in the Gospel of John. All the verses of Scripture we're going to read today will be Jesus talking to or praying for those he was in close relationship with, his disciples. Jesus had just finished washing his disciples' feet, which, by the way, was the job for the lowliest level servant of the home. And Jesus was showing them, I came here to serve you. John 13, verse 12. If you're there, you can follow along the app, screen your phone. Uh, there's paper notes in the back as well. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, he being Jesus, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, has washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. One of my favorite scriptures, you hear me say it all the time. So today I want to show you the outcome of being all in. 
the outcome of being all in in relationship. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, that it's awesome, true, powerful, and living. Help us, Lord, to first and foremost be all in in our relationship with you, but then, of course, with one another as brothers and sisters, Lord. We thank you, uh, Lord God. We know that we're not going to be in close relationship with everyone, Lord God, uh, but we know that we need a community, even as you said, two are better than one or three are even better than that, Father. So help me as I preach your word today. Help us to all apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the outcomes of being all in, number one, when we're all in, as Jesus showed us, we serve one another, right? Jesus' acts of service from washing his disciples' feet to dying on the cross and everything in between provided an example for us how we should serve each other. See, Jesus demonstrated that we needed a family. We need a family of people who we can serve when they are in need the most. And I said this last week, by the way, this talking about life group is not just what you can get out of it. This is a two-way street. I'm starting this message this morning saying, you should join a life group so you can serve other people. You, you, you need to be discipled. You need, yes, you want somebody that can help you and encourage you and have your back, but you need to have somebody else's back too. It's, it's a two-way thing. Two are better than one, right? You help each other, right? So like today, we serve, obviously, today these services could not happen without our amazing serve team. We have ushers and lobby hosts. Come on, why don't we give it up for our serve team? We have people in the media booth, children's ministries, fix uh, major coffee this morning, intercessory prayer, praying for us right now, and so many others. People are going to be serving for Wild Game Cookout and, 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 and Thrive Retreat. Everything we do around here, we have an amazing serve team. But you can serve others in a smaller capacity, not in, in, in the impact, but maybe a smaller capacity in a life room setting with general relation, genuine relationships. You know, I've heard so many stories in the 17, almost 17 years I've been on staff here of people in life groups helping each other move, cleaning up after storms or floods, preparing meals, visiting others in the hospital. There are a few words in the original Greek language that are translated love. Some of you are familiar with this. It's only, there's only one word, love, it's English, but there's a few different words that they don't mean exactly the same thing. I want to look at two of them. There's phileo love, and it's a convenient friendship kind of love. It's surface, friendly, and courteous. And that's kind of when you look at it when we're talking about life groups, this phileo love is kind of like what we should all have as brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, but a church this size, right, you're not going to be in deep personal relationship. But when you see your brothers and sisters, you're kind, courteous. Hey, I love you. I know I need to love you because you're my brother or my sister in Christ. But then there's agape love, which is a covenant partnership. This is what Jesus had with his disciples. It emphasized sacrifice for each other, commitment to each other, sharing of life, meals, and struggles with one another. See, in a spiritual family, people have needs. And if you're not in a family, you're only looking out for your own needs. Those of you know what that's like when you're single and then you get married, you realize, oh, wait, it's not just all about me anymore. And then when you have kids, you realize, oh, wait, there's a bunch of other little ones that have a lot of needs too, right? I tell people all the time, if you want to know how selfish you are, get married. If you really want to know how selfish you are, have kids. Because then you realize, man, it's not all about me, right? For all this time, for years, I was living out on my own, and I was just like, it was just about me, right? I went to work, I went home, I picked what I wanted to eat, what I wanted to watch on TV, where I wanted to go for the weekend, but then you get married, it's like, honey, what would you like to eat, you know? And then like, when you know, right? And it's a blessing, though, right? My wife, my children, they're all a blessing, and we serve one another. By the way, marriage is not what you can get out of it. It's a mutual two-way what you can serve and how you can help your spouse, how you can even serve your children. See, when you're in a covenant relationship with others, their needs don't bother you. 
You're not too busy to notice their needs, and you make time to help those in need. And I just got a, a, a call yesterday, and I'm pulling out my phone so I can read this text. I got a call from a life group leader who received three different calls yesterday with three different serious prayer requests from ladies in her life group. We prayed for a couple of them this morning. And I, when I thanked her for her faithfulness, she's been leading this group, and she's actually led multiple groups, actually at least two at one time. But she's been so faithful. When I, we, when I called her, because she texted and said, hey, I'm sorry to bother you, you got a minute. And, and, and I called her, and, and she wanted to let us know. And I said, man, thank you for your faithfulness to these ladies. And this group, and her response was, it's what he's called me to do. She didn't look at it as it was a bother. She wasn't being, you know, uh, bothered by these ladies. She loves these ladies. Then I just told her, I said, man, I'm talking about connecting to life groups right now. I was like, I- I'm going to share this tomorrow. She's like, I actually won't be here, but that, that, you know, that would be fine. I didn't ask her for anything. Then she sends me this text about her life group. This is what she sent me. She said, our life group is so important. And she put so in all caps. She said, we uphold each other in prayer. We weep with each other and celebrate each other. We are old and young, black and white. We are, et- we are an eternal sisterhood that loves deeply. We are here for each other, whether it's good, bad, or ugly. We are transparent with, e- with each other so that fellowship is genuine. I love this. She said, we quit hiding a long time ago. We let God, yes, amen. We let God use each of our lives. It's really beautiful, and we always have room for others. I would venture to say they're all in, right? They're all in in their relationship, right? And so, again, I just, I love that. And you see that. What I also love about this is that all three of these ladies, none of them called the church or called a pastor. They called their life group leader. They called their life group leader first because they're so connected with her. Now, obviously, she wanted to pass it on, and we did have pastors follow up with these families, of course. But it just shows you the intimate connection, Right. It shows you that like that this is a lady that's been mentoring them and poured into their lives. And as she said, she feels it's mutual. And it, I, I love that. Right. Galatians 6.10 says this. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those in the family of faith. Right. I preached a whole series on serving, especially serving the community outreach. We need to do that from Mexico to Acadiana to everywhere. It's in my heart to go. But the Bible says we need to do it for everybody, but especially those in the family of faith. And that's who I'm encouraging you to connect with and be all in in these kind of relationships. Number two, and we're all in, we encourage each other. Now, I talked about this some last week, so I'm not going to spend too much time on it. John 14, 1, Jesus said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. See, when Jesus said this, he was encouraging his disciples. The heart is the word cur, and we get our word courage from that word. So encourage means to give heart. Discourage means to lose heart. When you're discouraged means you've lost heart. And Jesus was encouraging his disciples. Jesus himself, we know, had been troubled on three occasions. But his confidence in his father's power made it possible for him to face these trials. And he was encouraging his disciples that they can do the same. See, that's what's important and powerful about being all in in these kind of relationships. When you walk through something and God helps you through and your brother and sister walks through, you can put your arm around him and say, man, I've been there. God pulled me through. He's going to pull you through as well. 
I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to be here alongside of you. Now let's look at the context of this verse. Jesus had just finished telling his disciples in the chapter before he wouldn't be with them much longer, that he would be taken away. And that's why they were being troubled and they were discouraged. And he was trying to encourage them. See, everyone needs encouragement when they go through trials and transition. Also, though, encouragement is not just for when we're discouraged. But encouragement is also encouraging your brothers and sisters to walk Keep walking with the Lord, encouraging them to grow in their gifts, and even to walk in holiness and purity and righteousness. See, we need to be encouraged, but encouragement is not always, hey, you're doing a good job. Sometimes encouragement is, I'm encouraging you to stop sinning. I'm encouraging you to live a holy and pure life. You need, I didn't encourage you to, to, to step away from what you're doing because it's ruining you and your family's life. That's still encouragement. You're giving people heart. You're, you're encouraging them to live the way that the Lord lived. So as I did last week, Sister Marie and Luke helped, us, helped me to preach on the video a little bit last week. So I got a couple more testimonies uh, about people right here in our, in our church that have been in and now are leading life groups. So check out this first one. Life group has impacted my life tremendously. I went in a group before not having prior notion as to what one was and then seeing my life drastically change from learning how to be accountable to others and allowing others to be accountable to me. Uh, I think I've grown in heart for life groups because of that, because I realized the heaviness of what a life group ensues. I think the, the biggest thing that I've received from a life group is knowing that I'm not doing life alone. I have brothers and sisters who want to help me and I, as I help them. I went from not knowing what a life group was at 18 years old to now being able to lead a life group here at Family Life uh, with the young adults. Q1 is our name actually. Uh, I think that my my mindset in life group is now learning the importance of what it's like to do life together. And so just being able to understand the severity of how a life group helps us to navigate through life as a unit, as a church, as a body of believers has greatly impacted my view on life groups. To know the love of Christ is to share the love of Christ with those around you. And so there may be people who've never been in that atmosphere like myself. And so to be able to encourage someone to come into a small group or a life group is, I feel, something that we as a church should feel obligated to do because we're sharing the love of Christ with our brothers and sisters. It's more to going to church than just going to church on a Sunday, but also being able to help our brothers and sisters live that out Monday through Saturday as well. So I would encourage anybody to go to a life group regardless of what age, what background you come from. One of the major benefits of being in a life group, I personally would say, is being able to see how God is moving in other people's lives. And I think for me, that's always encouraged me because there's some seasons where I don't necessarily feel like there's much going on in my own life, but seeing that God still has his hand on other people, it encourages me to know that when I am praying to God or seeking God out, that I'm not in this alone and that there are people who are also seeking God out. And so when we can spur one another along and sharpen each other as iron sharpens iron, then I think that we can honestly just be better accountable to each other and loving each other well through that. Amen. Yeah, so, you know, you heard 
you know, Jay would say it uh, a couple of times, right? Whether it's developing gifts, helping others. I love how he said it too. Sometimes I don't feel like there's much going on in my life, but you're encouraged by seeing God moving in other people's lives, right? And again, it goes back to it's not all about us, right? We will grow. We need to be discipled, but obviously he's leading a life group, so he's helping disciple others as well, right? And so it's really a blessing. First Thessalonians 5.11 says, So encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. And you see it there, right? Some of you are already doing it. So, hey, if you're in life group, if you're leading a life group, I want to encourage you, keep doing it. But if you're not, if you don't have a community, a community of believers, a core community of believers that, as this life group leader uh, said yesterday on this text, that you can bear your soul with, be genuine, stop hiding, and just uh, just live life with, I want to encourage you, check out the kiosk. It's on the left, because if you notice, you probably did, there's a big old deer stand in the middle of our, our lobby, right? So come on, guys, you can win that at Wild Game Cookout. Or if you got a deer hunter, you let them know. Our staff, as we were talking about doing that, they're like, man, you should preach out of that thing on Sunday. I'm like, nah, I've hunted out of many like that, but the way I move, I I think that thing might tip over by the time I'm done. As, as Mitch is on camera, they tell me whenever whoever's running camera, they feel like they're filming a, a tennis match when I'm preaching because I'm so back and forth, you know. So I, I'm going to leave the deer stand alone uh, in the lobby. But check out the live group kiosk. You walk out to the left, but it's on our website, our app, and get connected today. Amen. Number three, when we're all in, we produce fruit with each other. It's not just about going. It's not just about showing up, doing something. Our goal in life is to produce spiritual fruit. Amen? How do I know that? Because Jesus tells us, John 15, 16. Jesus said, you didn't choose me. I chose you, and I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. He said, I appointed you. He didn't say, I hope you do this. I suggest you do this. It'd be a good idea. No, he calls us to produce not only fruit, but lasting fruit. Fruit that will remain. The third dynamic Jesus spoke to his disciples about was the importance of staying together in covenant relationships so they can produce lasting fruit. Life groups are the perfect place for you to develop your full potential. We can help each other develop, sharpen each other, maximize our spiritual gifts. This is ultimately will help us produce spiritual fruit. As Jairus just said, he mentioned it. Here's the verse. Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens each other, right? See, I want to encourage you, you go to next steps. If you haven't been, if you don't know your gift, your spiritual gift, you can go to next steps and we help you discover that gift. But guess what? Once you discover it, a life group is a great place to help you develop it, to help you to sharpen it, to help to, to, to learn where to go, how to use it, what to use it for. You, you see people go on a mission trip. They, they, have, they have different giftings and they can do different things throughout the community, every day at work, school, in your home, right? So we need to produce personal spiritual fruit, but also it helps us to produce the fruit of leading people to Christ. Amen. Like they were able to lead almost three to 400 people to the Lord on that trip in Mexico. Amen. Come on. I was thinking about that while I was looking at those pictures. Like look at these, these people. They may or we may. I mean, that sounds like Pastor Ty. They're going to be taking another trip there next year, but we may not ever meet some of those people, but how awesome, if you never see those people again, they're going to come up to you and say, you remember that time you came to our little mountain community full of indigenous people, and those people never heard the gospel, and because of what y'all did, that's fruit, amen? That's fruit that remains, and that will last for all eternity, amen? So life groups are a great place to invite people who are not saved. It's an environment that can maybe help them let their guard down, where they're just coming to maybe hang out or eat a meal or, you know, for the first time. You know, the first life group I ever went to was over 20 years ago before I even got saved. And I was invited to continue to come to this group because it was young adults. 
I was in my, in my 20s. I was about 22, 23 years old. And it was one New Year's Eve, planning on going out to the club or whatever, like I was doing, partying, drinking, and drugging. But I hadn't made plans yet. And I got this phone call, and I was invited to go to this life group gathering on New Year's Eve with people from this church. And I said, man, I don't have anything else to do. The Lord was drawing me. And I ended up going, and I had a great time, right? I had a great time. It was it, actually the lady's apartment was I was sitting in, the, in here today. They still in church, and I remember it helped me because it wasn't. I came to church a couple of times with my mom, but I would have never just gone hang out with a bunch of Christians before I was a born again Christian, right? I thought they were kind of weird. Now I'm one of them, right? Now I'm a, I'm the biggest advocate for for being a born again believer, right? But it was just helped me. And guess what? Which is super cool about this is that once I got saved, and I, I think I went to one other, I think we went like bowling or something another time the group invited me to. Once I came down this altar and got radically saved and was all in, I called the girl, the the, the girl at the time, young lady, uh, that was real close to my mom. That's why she was reaching out to me. And, and I called her to tell her I got saved. I said, hey, guess what? I got saved last night. I got born again. And she's like, that's awesome. I can't wait to tell the group. And I said, you don't have to because I'm going to tell them because I'm going. So what's so cool is I already had a live group to go to. I already got connected because they invited me. They welcomed me in in a very non-threatening environment. And so then I jumped in and started getting discipled. I started going to Bible study with him. And there was a couple here earlier as well. The guy was leading, he was the one leading worship. You'll actually hear from him in a video in a minute, right? And so it's so important that we can help lead people to the Lord. I'm telling you, my mom had been praying for me, witnessing to me. Other people, Pastor Todd met with me for hours one night, a year before I got saved. But that group helped to plant the seeds to help me get saved. Amen? So we can produce fruit of leading people to the Lord. Here's a biblical example of that. Matthew 9, 10 later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. Later on, after Matthew made a decision to follow Christ, we know he'd later become a disciple. He invites people who didn't know the Lord to have dinner with Jesus and his disciples. You see that? He set the table and said, man, I just got saved. I just follow Christ. I got a bunch of friends that need this too. I'm going to try to bring them all together in the same room. Amen? You can do the same thing. If you know the Lord, his presence is always with you, whether you have life group in your home or here on campus. Matthew 18, 20, Jesus said, this is true because if two or three people come together in my name, I am there with them. One more thing, when you're in covenant relationship with a group of people, it helps you to set and reach goals. See, people tend to set goals and pull their energies together to reach those goals together. We know that even outside of the church, there's so many different groups and organizations. People know that from what, think about, you know, AA and NA. They understand you need to be in a group to help you to stay, to help you to stay clean and sober, right? That's why we have celebrate recovery. But you see this people trying to lose weight, gyms and all this kind of stuff. There's people that come together to help, uh, to set and reach goals. So some Christians have no goals because they're only just surviving in life. We need to have spiritual goals. We need to have goals for our families, our marriage, our relationship, our finances. Even as staff here, full-time staff and full-time ministry, myself and some of the staff went to a leadership conference last week. And we're in relationship and fellowship with these people to help us in full-time ministry set kingdom goals and goals in the ministry. Amen? So we're doing the same thing, even uh, us here that are the leaders. And the fourth and final thing, when we're all in, we help to protect each other. Watch this. John 16, 1, Jesus said, I have told you these things so that you wouldn't abandon your faith. 
See, Jesus had just outlined the coming conflicts in John 15, the chapter right before, so that his disciples would not abandon their faith. He's trying to encourage them. The phrase abandon their faith literally means to be caused to stumble. See, the greatest obstacles his disciples would face back then was to stumble and renounce their faith before their Jewish opponents, especially during the dark days ahead. Well, guess what? This is still our greatest obstacle in the dark days we live in. Wouldn't you say we're still living in some pretty dark days? And, and people are going to constantly try to get you, the enemy will try to get you to denounce your faith, to stumble, to abandon your faith. So when I say we help protect each other, we help protect each other from doing, from falling away. We help, you come alongside a brother and, and walk with him, a sister, and say, hey, no, look, I know you're struggling. I know you're veering off, but hey, stay strong in the faith. A huge part of being in a circle, not just a row, like I talked about last week, is the power of protection. See, everyone has or will have temptations they're battling with, and you cannot conquer them on your own. A young man, 14 years old, came up to me after the first service. He said, man, I'm really busy. I want to get connected. Is there any way that you can just support yourself? I said, you could maybe for a short period of time if the Lord helps you. But eventually, you got to get in community. There's no way you're going to survive the battles of the world, the battles and the attacks of the enemy by yourself. I always use the example. I don't know any of y'all ever watch these like animal shows like the, you know, like in Africa and stuff where, you know, lions or leopards or whatever are, are chasing down prey. What is a predator's number one way that they take down an animal? They isolate one away from the pack and that's how they take them down. If a pack stays together, even as prey, a lot of times they can ward off a whole pride of lions. I've seen it many times. But if they can isolate one, even a full-grown, mature one sometimes, if they can isolate it from the pack, they can take it down. Right? It's no different. That's why the Bible says your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He's looking for the one he can isolate who's going to try to do life on their own, but you can't. The Bible makes it clear, Ecclesiastes 4, all through. Remember, I'm talking about life groups. Think about this. Of course, it wasn't called that. That's not what, but I'm talking about all of the words, all of the points comes from John. Jesus is talking about, he's talking to his group of guys. Jesus is the leader. He has a small group. He has masses following him. But then he had 72. Then he had 12. Then he had three. He had a small core group of people he was doing life with, eating with, sleeping with, and pouring into. Amen? So he is our greatest example. You should have relationships with people you can feel safe with, be vulnerable with, and you can be yourself, just as this life group leader said earlier. I hope is if you don't have that already, you find this in the context of life groups. Freedom must be walked out in context of life group. Our vision for you, God's vision for you to know God, live free, find your purpose, and make a difference. And living free happens in the context of relationship. You know, the redwood tree is the tallest tree in the world. Beneath the surface of the, uh, any redwood forest, all the roots are interconnected, which means they help each other to grow. The tallest, strongest, biggest trees in the world didn't get that way on their own. It's because they were interconnected and their roots help each other. And if you think about it, if you learn agriculture, know it, the examples the Bible uses were like the cedars of Lebanon, right? We're like trees planted by the water. The Bible's always likening our spiritual growth to trees or plants near the river. And I thought about this. Where do the roots grow? Underneath, not on the surface. The leaves and branches, the pretty stuff is not what's connected. It's underneath the soil where it's all dirty and messy. That's where they connected and help each other to grow. See, when you you all in, you're not willing to get into the mud with somebody and walk with them through their stuff, and they'll help you walk with you. Here's one more testimony, and we're going to close. 
we actually met through life groups. Yeah, and it was neat because we got to know each other really in a non-threatening way and got to see each other's character and see each other grow spiritually and uh, got to the point where we really, you know, admired each other and decided to pursue uh, a relationship and a marriage with each other. But it really started in a life group and we got to see who we truly were and see God's work in our lives. And that's what led us to, to really get married. I really think it's important for us to be part of a community. Whenever I've not really been a part of one, whenever I've been out there on my own, that's when I find myself making decisions that I regret and doing things that I really shouldn't do. And I believe that we need to be together with other believers. When I've been in community with other believers, I feel more encouraged, more challenged to do the right things. And so I think it's really important for everyone to to make sure they're part of a community and part of the body of Christ. You know, the Bible talks about how we need to be one, we need to be one body. And we need to all be, we all have a place in that body, but we need to be connected together. And I can't really think of a better way than life groups to really connect with other people and other believers. A great thing for me is relating and, and developing friendships with others, other believers. And um, just to build that, that, that friendship, that, that connection. So that, you know, when life comes at us, we're not alone. Like you were saying, you know, um, we have a support system, so to speak, um, that we can fall back on. When that's already in play, then it just makes it easier to walk out the Christian life together. You know, I think I think one benefit is it's, it's an opportunity really to to grow and develop spiritually, you know, it's it's really an encouraging atmosphere for someone to 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 use their gifts and their talents that God's given you, and not having feel like you're in front of a large people. You're just around people. You're you're a small group of people you're comfortable with, and you can start to use whatever that gift may be, whether it's teaching or worship or encouragement or hospitality or counseling, whatever that gift may be. It's it's just a sort of an encouraging atmosphere to be able to use that gift and develop it and grow it and really see what God does with your with your abilities and, and with you. I actually was a part of uh, a life group ever since I could remember coming here as a child uh, when the church started life groups so long ago. Um, I know as a child being in that encouraging atmosphere, like Anthony said, was um, it just provided a, a, a place of um, togetherness and you felt connected. and. Um, like I said, I started it when I was younger. So I actually went through every season of life through life groups. And even though the seasons of my life changed, life groups changed with it from childhood to teenage years. Even like you, uh, like you said, as far as developing gifts, you know, leading life groups as opposed to being there and, and helping in some fashion, it just, um, it encouraged me to grow stronger in the Lord and closer to the Lord, you know, closer to others in community as well. And now even being in life groups still as being married and with a family, uh, it's really, really seeing the benefits of growing with the Lord, growing closer, connecting with others, and then also seeing our children benefit, you know, through that same kind of atmosphere.
you know, they're developing friendships through life groups, even at their young age. And, you know, hopefully just passing on the torch, you know, to the next generation. You know, well, being in a in a marriage life group, it's really benefited us because it's we're going through some really gifted teachings, really good teachings on marriage and and uh, and, and on family, and so it's allowed us to uh, to to really learn from those things and to grow in our marriage. And it's also allowed us to get to know other families that are in the same stages of life as we are, and to, to really learn from them and to hear their different perspectives on on marriage and, and the different things that we face in, in life. So it's really been a benefit, you know, to to our marriage that we've seen the fruits of it in our in our lives, in our marriage. Hey Amen. You know, I'm trying to show you different people, as you can tell, demographics and uh, younger, a little bit wiser, I'm going to say it that way, single, married, you know, whatever it may be. But like that, you know, actually, when they talked about that, that there was a life group where they really, you know, kind of hit it off to, uh, you know, in their relationship was the life group I was talking about earlier, and Grady and Renee was in that same one. And, and so I know some of you single people heard in here just now, you're saying, I might find me a spouse in a life group. Is that what she just said? You know, hey, that's not the purpose of it, but you may. Kelly and Anthony, Grady and Renee, they, uh, they, they, they're, they're two off of that group I was talking about. And a couple other, actually a couple other couples as well. I mean, that wasn't the purpose of it, but when you're in community with godly people and you're in that season of life, sometimes the Lord shows you. He, he, he provides for you. Amen. So again, I just want to encourage you, whatever season of life, any demographic, to be all in. So when we're all in, we serve each other, we encourage each other, we produce fruit with each other, and we help to protect each other. As I said, I mentioned the vision again. One of the things we pray for you often as I close is that you would come to know God, which means to be in a relationship with him. And you can only do that by putting your faith and trust in his son, Jesus Christ. Acts 13 38 and 39 says this. Therefore, brothers and sisters, know this. Through Jesus, we proclaim forgiveness of sins to you. From all those sins from which you couldn't be put in right relationship with God through Moses' law. Through Jesus, everyone who believes is put in right relationship with God. See, following the letter of the law, following rules, doing good things or being religious, that does not put you in a true relationship with God. It's only by repenting of your sins and believing in Jesus that accomplishes this. You must be all in. As I mentioned last week, if you wasn't here, you know, I actually, in a minute, I'm going to lead you in a prayer of faith. If you, if, if you want to be all in and start this relationship with the Lord. And I had prayed a similar prayer at least two or three times before I truly got saved because I wanted to be saved. I wanted to have fire insurance, like we say. And I don't know if you know what fire insurance is. I just didn't want to go to hell, but I didn't want to live my life for God. Until I actually came down this very aisle right here and came to this, this very spot on the floor at the altar. That night, I surrendered and basically, I didn't say these words, but I was like, I'm all in now. And that's when the Lord began to radically change my life. Would you do me a favor? Would you just bow your head and close your eyes? I say it often. I thought about it the other night. One of the reasons I do this is out of reverence for the Lord and respect for others. But I don't want you looking at me. I want you focused on Jesus. That's why I like for you to close your eyes because I want you to focus on Him. I hope it's more His voice you're hearing this whole service, but even now. Are you all in in your walk with the Lord? Let me put it this way. The Bible says when we die, we're either going to spend eternity in heaven or hell. Where are you going to be in? You're going to be all in one place. There's no middle. I know for me, 
that night I walked that, 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 that down to this altar and I surrendered my life to Christ and I said I was all in. I knew before that that if I died, I was going to hell. But since then, that night, over 20 years ago, I've never once doubted my salvation. And not because of anything I've done, but because I put my trust and faith in Jesus and his word. If you say, Brandon, if today was my last day on this planet, I don't know where I would spend my eternity. I don't know if I would be in heaven or hell. Or you say, Brandon, I've come to church for a while. I've even read the Bible. I've done things. But man, I don't know if I fully surrendered. I don't know if I'm all in in my relationship with the Lord. But today, Brandon, I want to be all in. I want to surrender my life to Christ. If that's you, just slip up your hand. Don't, don't even hesitate. Ma'am, I see your hand right away. Over here to my right. Hands going up. Amen. To my far right. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. In the middle right here. Some more hands going up to my left. Ma'am, I see you. Come on. Hey, I want you to put both your hands up if that's you. As a sign of surrender, say, I'm all in. Come on. Don't, don't worry about who's looking around or not. Jesus is looking at you. That's all that cares. He's looking at more than your hands. He's looking at your heart. Now, the Bible says if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So that's why I just leave you in a simple prayer. But it's not the prayer. It's your faith and it's you saying this is the beginning, Lord. I'm all in. So let's pray together. Lord Jesus. Come on, let's pray it together. Church, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying in my place. Lord, I know that I've, I've sinned, and I repent of my sin today. I turn to you, and I surrender. Lord, I'm all in today in my relationship with you. Now give me the grace, the strength, and the anointing to live it out and continue to be all in with you and with the body of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Come on, let's celebrate with these this morning. Congratulations. You prayed that prayer and you mean it and you're all in. Just fill out the connection card in the chair in front of you, bring it to the info center. Come on, why don't we stand up? Let me pray a blessing over you as you go. Encourage you, check out the kiosk, the live groups, go online, our app, the website. Guys, if you hadn't yet, buy a ticket to Wild Game Cookout. Come on, if you need prayer for anything, we'll be up here. Let me pray over you. Father, I thank you, Lord. I pray that those in this room that are hearing my voice, oh God, that if they're not all in, if they don't have relationships, core relationships with those around them, oh God, in the body of Christ, that they would begin today and that they would be all in in their walk, in their faith, in their encouragement to serve others, to be with others, Lord. For your grace, peace, and anointing be upon those as they go today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. We love y'all. God bless you. If you need prayer for anything, we'll be down here to pray with you. If not, we'll see you soon.